Good morning. Uh, the first reading is Proverbs 1, and it's on page 449 of the Pew Goggles. <clears throat> the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down in the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will the mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when your calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not listen. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and they did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For what the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. The second reading is from Matthew 7, starting at verse 24. <clears throat> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice 
is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell down with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Great to meet again and to uh, have the opportunity to look at the Word of God. Let me welcome you if you're, you're new or visiting amongst us. It's great that you are able to join us today. Proverbs is where you want to go to, where Mike with his beautiful, husky, dulcet, slightly cold-affected tones read to us. Uh, so please do go back to there. Uh, if you've just joined us, we're doing uh, five books of wisdom in five weeks. Last week we looked at uh, the Psalms. This week we look at the Proverbs. Uh, Why are we doing it? Perhaps to expose us to a part of the word we don't know so well, uh, but also that we might actually live wise lives, something we all wish for. Uh, But why don't we pray that we would actually live those lives. Our Lord and Father, we uh, thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that as we hear them and put them into practice, we have security uh, against all that can happen to us in life. Uh, Father, thanks that in your word is both light and life, and we ask that by your spirit uh, you would speak to us now that we would delight in your word, that we would be changed by your word, and that we would live in such a way that honours and pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you treasure more? Uh, Considered wisdom uh, or swift self-serving expediency? This is not a hard question like the kids were getting with A and B, was it? You know, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Clearly, wisdom is the right answer, isn't it? But I want you to stop for a moment. Look at your life. Look at your action. Do you really treasure wisdom? Now, the other day I was reading something on raising sons, uh, how raising boys takes a lot of faith. Uh, you know, son, for example, breaks a bunk bed from bouncing on it. This has not happened. I'm just defending my son. Uh, you know, unbelief sees the cost of replacing a bed, uh, whereas belief sees courage and energy that just needs a little bit of reshaping a direction. <laughs> you know, a boy gets into a fight uh, defending his sister and unbelief sees the foolishness of getting in a position where they have to fight because there's so many other good options. Whereas faith sees that, you know, there's an immature masculinity just trying to work out, you know, what it is to be a man again, a bit of direction. The point of what the guy was writing is that that unbelief squashes while faith takes a boy aside and commends the good and corrects the error and points out, you know, how it could be done better next time. And I read this uh, little section just moments after squashing my son for a moment of foolishness. You know, it brought home to me my foolishness. Why did I do it? Why did I give a, a quick, swift response? Well because proper correction would have taken more time and thought, and I was in a rush. I valued expediency uh, over the harder task of wisdom. And I don't think I'm alone here. You know, the overreaction in traffic when that person cut you off, you you were driving fine. (laughs) You know, that loose word of gossip about the neighbour, about the friend, about the person at the mother's group, the the half-baked effort at work. Let me ask you again, do you treasure wisdom? 
So Proverbs asks that question of us. Proverbs is written like a, a father pleading with his son to value wisdom, to chase after it. So Proverbs 1.8, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. And, and in the, the first nine chapters, the kind of extended introduction to the Proverbs, there's this thread that runs through of this fatherly tone trying to plead, chase wisdom, seek wisdom. So in Proverbs 2, uh, the son is invited to treasure wisdom in verse 1 there. Store up those commands within. Uh, to search for it like hidden treasure in verse 3. Because in 2 verse 7, it will protect you. It will be like a shield for you. Uh, and in the closing verses of Proverbs 2, it's only wisdom that will guard you from death and destruction. You know, wisdom is clearly better than, than expediency. But, but is it your treasure? As Proverbs twenty four fourteen promises... Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul and if you find it, there is future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Do you treasure it? So broadly speaking, um, wisdom is about recognising reality and living in accord with it. You know, working out what actually it is and acting in such a way that you fit with reality. Uh, last week, we looked in the Psalms and we saw uh, that the wise life is about passion, that it's being passionate for God's ways as being, I suppose, in everything passionate, bringing it before God. This week, Proverbs teaches us that living wise is discerning order through relationship with God. It's discerning order through relationship with God. As the wise life gets revealed, our treasure gets shown up. Uh, there are two features I want us to, to draw from this insightful book. We're not going to be reading all of Proverbs, but that might be your reading this week. Uh, First, I want us to see that relationship with God is the framework for living wise. And secondly, that discerning order through that relationship is the challenge of living wise. Okay, so first, let's, let's look at how relationship with God is the framework. From the outset, we need to understand that wisdom is a response to God, what, what he is, what he's done. Uh, Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. You know, that refrain runs through Proverbs in various forms. So uh, 3 verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Instead, fear the Lord and shun evil. Uh, Proverbs 8 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Uh, 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I could give you some more, but I suspect you've got the point. <laughs> you know, wisdom is not about keeping rigid rules. It's about a right response to the God who is worthy of fear. Uh, not fear in the sense of, ah, run away, but fear in the sense of recognising he is one far greater than you. you know, the starting point of a wise life is acknowledging where the real power lies. It's not with you, it's with God. Uh, the wisdom books sometimes, because they don't kind of deal with history, they don't see a lot of God's action in the wisdom books. They can feel like they don't kind of fit in to you know, God's big plans of salvation, but they do fit in. Uh, they fit in in that they show us how we need to respond to the God who acts to save and redeem and judge. See, wise actions, the wise life starts with reflecting the passions that God has, the hatreds that God has. Now, now Proverbs is careful to say that wisdom isn't just in fearing God, but that's the start. You know, fearing him is the beginning, it's, it's the framework. Uh, it's, 
it's structured, I suppose, Proverbs in such a way that before we get to the, the kind of content in chapter 10 and on, you know, the little pithy statements, um, you have nine chapters of introduction to help you understand that it's relational. You've got to fear the Lord. You've got to make a choice to respond to him. So I want to ask you again, do you treasure wisdom? Let me give you some signs that perhaps will show up if you do or not. What are the signs? Well, first, if you, if you treasured wisdom and sought it, all your decisions would start with understanding God. Uh, so wise decision-making is an exercise in faith. Um, we did that in the last few weeks. If you were with us as we looked at money, uh, the way we did it is we, we, you know, we thought about, I suppose, the power of money, so we, we looked at how God used power. Uh, we thought about how to spend our money and the values we have in money, so we looked at the love of God. You know, we start with the character of God and work down. Uh, so the wise voter yesterday, I hope you remembered to vote, otherwise you got a fine. Uh, the wise voter yesterday didn't start by looking at the policy that would give them the most gain and, and they didn't even look at the policy that would most benefit the nation as first port of call. First step is examining a policy from the standpoint of God's character and his love and his justice, his actions to redeem the world by, by his son, the Lord Jesus, his, his plan to judge the world and so on. If you treasure wisdom, all your decisions start with an understanding of God. A second sign, if you treasure wisdom, you're concerned to develop character. We make an error in thinking wisdom is about intelligence. It's not, it's about morality. The opening verses of Proverbs 1 invite, did you notice who got invited to learn wisdom? It was the simple and the young, but as well, it's those who are already learned it's not about intelligence. Uh, in Proverbs 7, uh, foolishness gets personified as a, a woman, basically a brothel madame, Madame Folly, trying to entice men to her side and into destruction. Uh, but in Proverbs 8, wisdom is a lady of repute. You know, they're they're characterised as, as moral opposites. It's, they're not intellectual counterparts, not one smarter than the other. No, no, they are morally different. Wisdom starts with fearing God, and so those who treasure wisdom actually care about character. So it's, it's quite possible, it's entirely possible to get in, ahead in life immorally. Um, you know, lots of people at work who do it. You, know, you can hide an addiction. You, you can use a lying tongue to win people over to your cause. It's possible. But if you find yourself compensating or uh, covering up your moral flaws, your sin, then you've already stopped treasuring wisdom because you've stopped fearing the Lord and you've stopped caring about character. The third sign that you really treasured wisdom, you'd be a serious studier of God. The fear of the Lord is the starting point of wisdom, um, not you can put it this way, the fear of a misunderstanding of the Lord. So I reckon too many Christian people make um, unwise decisions because they don't really know what God is like. Uh, so recently Paul gave a, a talk to our broader church family on, on dating uh, and thinking it through as Christians. Uh, and what caused, uh, I suppose, a stir amongst uh, the hundred or so people who heard it uh, was he called a spade a spade and he pointed to the foolishness of dating a non-Christian. Uh, and it caused a stir because uh, so many Christians lack an understanding of what God is like. 
And, and so many Christians have this mechanistic understanding of God that requires you know, explicit proof text. So they'll only believe it if there's an exact verse that says, you must not date a non-Christian. And that would be the only way. No, no, because they fail to understand God. And so they don't really know what God is like, and so they make unwise decisions. So if we treasure wisdom, then we'll foster our relationship with God. We want to fear him rightly, and so we'll study him seriously. Uh, for some of us, that means we actually need to set aside some time to, to actually read the Bible and pray. Uh, for some of us, it means you know, use Bible notes as a tool. Uh, you know, personally, I use a system that has me in four different spots of the Bible at once. If you're looking for a new system, you know, I'll photocopy mine off. You can have it. Uh, presume it's not copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, hoping it's not. Uh, for some of you, it means you need to reorganise your lives so that you make it to a connect group. I know it's inconvenient. Of course it is but you realise that our community needs to be serious about studying the word of God together. Now, I don't mind how you do it, but if you are living in such a way, saying that you treasure wisdom, but put no effort into knowing God, you're fooling yourself. Fourth sign, uh, humble teachability. Um, For those who know English, I don't think teachability is a word. Uh, but uh, I'm going to use it anyway. It makes it more memorable. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, Fools despise with discipline. Uh, you know, the, the fear of the Lord implies that once you know what God is like, you are willing to change. You don't keep stubbornly going, yeah, well, that's interesting, God's like that, but I'm really on my trajectory like a train. Yeah, repentance and faith are the keys to a wise life. Those who treasure wisdom are willing to be taught. Uh, there's an American saying, you can always tell a Harvard man, you just can't tell him much. I was trying to think of Australian equivalents, but then I thought, even if I come up with one, it's best not to say it. Uh, and apologies to our American friends who've graduated from Harvard who are here today. Now, if it's accurate, then I want to say Proverbs would say the Harvard man's a fool. Now, being unteachable is being unwise. Those who treasure wisdom listen to God and are willing to be corrected. It means we ask the right questions of him and his word and each other. Now, as part of a great uh, conversation over morning tea last week, uh, someone asked, what have you done, to to another person I was in a conversation with, what have you done differently uh, because of the money series? Nice direct question. Uh, And the person talked about, who was asked, how they'd ended up committing to a charitable cause they'd been umming and ahhing about. That's wisdom being treasured encouraging each other to to heed the word of God and be teachable. There there are some of the signs if we seriously treasured wisdom. You know, living wise is is framed by this right relationship with God. You know, the fear of the Lord is the grid. But Proverbs helpfully goes on to give us some of the content as well. Now, Proverbs isn't saying you'll become wise by just passive dependence on exact commands by God, you know, for any and every situation. You know, the second key to, to treasuring wisdom that Proverbs teaches us is the challenge we have to discern order through relationship with God. So from chapter 10 onwards, you can flick over to chapter 10. From chapter 10 onwards, um, we get the stuff that Proverbs is most famous for. You know, those catchy uh, gems of insight into daily life, the kind of stuff that, you know, your grandmother embroidered and put 
you know, somewhere on the wall so you could walk past it and be reminded of your failings consistently. You know, it's that kind of stuff. You know, like 10 verse 4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. And you go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Proverbs 10 verse 9, uh, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Or 10 verse 12, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. You know, I've picked a few we could go all the way through it and you see, it, you know, it deals with the stuff of real life, work and honesty and love, and, but they're not written in such a way to be a slick formula for success. What they are instead is a, a kind of gold mine of practical insights that, that flesh out what it is to fear the Lord. Uh, Peter Jensen, uh, the Archbishop, recently um, wrote something that most of our services uh, in our churches have stopped reading the Ten Commandments out. Um, if you managed to make it to 8am this morning, you would have had the opportunity to do it. Uh, he wanted to say that we've actually lost something in doing that. Uh, his point was they actually give content to what general statements like love the Lord and love other people looks like. Yeah, and I think it's a helpful point. I'm not going to reinstitute it at this particular service, but it's a helpful point. Now, we've got a church motto, living for Jesus, loving like Jesus, which is great, but unless you look into who Jesus is and look into how he loved with some detail, it doesn't actually mean anything, does it? It's, it's too broad to make sense. The Proverbs aren't certain promises, but they're, they're general observations that they give content to the principle of what it is to fear the Lord. But it does more than that. The Proverbs are an invitation. An invitation for you to switch on your mind and discern order. So our English translation make the, the Proverbs look like they're more of a command than they actually are. So flick over to 12 verse 1. I'll give you an example. Uh, we have it saying, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Uh, quite literally, the original reads, loving discipline, loving knowledge. That, that's it. But, but we like to insert all the words that connect it. And we have this habit with all the Proverbs. We throw in as's and so's and likes and make the relationship with the, with the parts seem more absolute. We take away the ambiguity, but the ambiguity was there on purpose to, to invite us to start discerning the pattern and the order of this world. How do those two things fit together, loving discipline, loving knowledge? It's not about a rule, it's about an invitation to start thinking about this world and how it works. Uh, the, perhaps the best example is in 26, verse 4, uh, 4 and 5. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him yourself. Next line. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. And you go, hang on, don't, don't they contradict? But that's the point of Proverbs. It's thrown out so that you start exploring the world. You know, that you gain wisdom through a combination of, of divine learning, fearing the Lord, and human learning, engaging in the world. You know, wisdom might be fearing the Lord, but, but it grows as we learn from experience, ours and others. So again, do you treasure wisdom? Do you seek after wisdom? Let me give you three more signs, three more tests of whether it is something that you treasure. If you do treasure, there'll be a sign that you are optimistic. You are optimistic about living wise. So Proverbs takes the goodness and the orderliness of God's creation and, and it applies it to daily life. 
So if you read Genesis 1, there's this harmonious structure uh, in what God makes. Uh, and if you know the refrain that runs through it, it's, and it was good, it was good, it was good. Yeah, that, that goodness, that, that harmony, that order that's in creation means that I know that if I take this Bible and I drop it from a height, I know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and you do too, so I'm not going to bother. Uh, you know, it's why science works, because it's good and ordered. And what Proverbs does is take the obvious connections that we pick up in science and, and puts it into life. Uh, daily life, relationships, work, friendship, planning, marriage, money, emotions. You know, Proverbs is wisdom in order. And so those who treasure wisdom are optimistic. You can act in such a way to bring good results. So when the Proverbs advise, like in 20, 27 verse 6, that wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses, you know, we optimistically go and say hard truths to our friends because we expect it will actually strengthen our friendship. Yeah, and when Proverbs 27.10 tells us that it's better to have a neighbour nearby than a brother far away, we who treasure it put into practice. And like the meals I get to witness, people at church making for others who are in need, who have family on the other side of the world. Yeah, that's the optimism that treasures wisdom. You go and do it. A second sign, if you treasure wisdom, is that you engage in the world. The Proverbs aren't rigid rules. And they invite us to think. You need to switch your mind on and work out which is the time when I answer a fool according to their folly and which is the time I don't. You need to start thinking. Isn't it great? God is affirming your responsibility as a human. And he has saved us from this kind of blind, bland, restrictive, one-size-fits-all legalism. So often we want the quick answers, don't we? Now that's how I felt the last few weeks approaching the election. I just wanted to know, so who should I vote for? (laughs) I wanted the quick version. Uh, And even here at church I'm aware that uh, I need to be clear in helping people see how the word of God actually touches their lives. But... But there are no simple answers that can be served up fresh on a plate. Now, leaping in quickly or, or making absolute rules is actually to despise wisdom rather than treasure it. We who treasure wisdom need to actually make the time to stop and think and research and consult before we act. Acting still vital, you know, proverbial wisdom is all about getting in, learning from experience, but, but discerning how relationships work in this world is by participating in them. We need to engage. A third sign that you treasure wisdom, you have a concern for consequences. Discerning order is all about seeing consequences. But you do it with the framework of the living God. So we who treasure wisdom see just how massive consequences can be. You know, Proverbs 6.26 points out the immediate consequence of if you go and visit a prostitute, you are reduced to a loaf of bread. That is, it, sex becomes depersonalised. Love and faithfulness drain away. It's just another transaction. But in 22.14, we're reminded there is a greater consequence to adultery. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Now, those who treasure wisdom look to the outcome of every action and thought, both in this world and into eternity. Living wise is discerning order through that relationship with God. 
You know, yes, we know wisdom. Yeah, it's good, it's valuable, it's, it's better than expediency. But, but no, no, is it your treasure? Is it what you're seeking after? You know, Proverbs shows us often that wisdom is really obvious and yet so often it's the case we live like fools, don't we? You know, you read Proverbs and I expect your experiences, you nod your head all the time. You know, you kind of go, oh yeah, of course, that makes sense. Uh, and yet you think of all the times you don't. You know, so we, we looked at Proverbs ten twelve: hatred stirs up dissension, love covers over wrongs. You know, clearly you go, of course, if I react with hatred, I'll make it worse. But you drive around Sydney and you don't see love covering over a lot of driving mistakes. You know, living wise is obvious and yet we don't choose it. And if you know that feeling, if you're longing for the wise life, I want to encourage you to take heart. Don't withdraw, but get in there. We believe in real forgiveness for real sin. God doesn't save imaginary sinners. Christ wasn't nailed to an imaginary cross. You know, don't fear or let the fear of failing stop you seeking the, the wise life. You know, yes, you'll fail, but Jesus has conquered real sin, real death, this real world. So keep chasing after wisdom. Because it's only if you seek and treasure wisdom that you'll find life and satisfaction. Uh, if you know Proverbs, it famously finishes with this poem about the perfect wife in chapter 31. Uh, a lot of women, I suspect, have come across this before. Uh, she's this omnicompetent woman uh, who nothing is impossible for. She effortlessly seems to run the household and the business all at once. Uh, her husband and kids look on at her in awe and can't say enough about her praises. Um, in the context, we, with Madame Folly and Lady Wisdom at, at the start of Proverbs, I suspect that this perfect wife is really not an attainable woman. She's a metaphor for the joy of finding wisdom. You know, the, the delight of finding and marrying up to wisdom, the perfect partner. So treasure wisdom. For as Proverbs 31.10 says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Treasure wisdom. I want to pray for us, but perhaps you need a moment to reflect on where your real treasure is. Uh, there are response cards if you want to fill out uh, prayer requests or comments or questions or want to get email news. But, but as you stop and as you think, where is your real treasure? Take a moment and then I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that wisdom is sweet to the soul. Grant to us a right fear of you that we would relate rightly to you. May we chase after and treasure wisdom that we might find hope and that our hope would not be cut off. Father, make us delight in the world that you have made and even more delight in the opportunity of being your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.